The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome, everyone, to the Writer's Block Podcast, Season 2, Episode 11. I'm your host, Brandon Laurie. Alongside me, I have David Hellman and Brandon Clements. Well, the Cowboys took all of their frustration on a complete warpath from the Eagles' loss, and unfortunately for the Giants, it came against them in the fashion of a 49-17 to blowout. That means that the Cowboys put on 40 points against the Giants in each of the games this year. Uh, pretty impressive stuff. That also adds another game to Mike McCarthy's resume as the Cowboys head coach, where it's now 14 40-plus games in his career. Uh, it seems like I think Andy Reid is now up to 9 or 10, so it's still a, a four-game lead for Mike McCarthy. That's pretty impressive, to say the least. So, B1, I'll start with you. How's it going? Does it feel a lot better this week than it did last week when the Cowboys lost in Philadelphia now taking out the revenge on the New York Giants. It's a complete 180. It's it's been a heck of a heck of a last uh, you know you know 24 48 hours here you know you know once this airs it's it's been it's been fun. Like I, I have a few buddies that are Giants fans and I'm just like, yeah, you had it coming. That's just how it goes. You know the Cowboys were not happy about the way things ended last week. It was it was a tough. It was a it was a good game, not you know from the wins and losses perspective, but it was a good game last week that just you know unfortunately game of inches. And, you know, it was it was one of those things where I know we may have had this on our, you know, on our list of potential trap games and whatnot. And, it you know, I had the feeling going in, I was like, no, if it's anything but a butt kicking, this is a bad week. And thank you. Thank you, Cowboys, for for handing some handing another whooping 49 to 17. They've outscored they outscore them 89 to 17 this year. If I got my math right, like that's that's a heck of a spread. And, you know. You know, you know, kudos to kudos to Mike McCarthy and company for you know dialing up a great game plan. I mean, you know, everybody, you know, everybody that dislikes the Cowboys, they're gonna say, well, you know, the Giants are the worst team in the league. This blah 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 blah. You know, and I, that's fine. I mean, Tommy DeVito, you know, Syracuse, you know, of course I gotta get that in there. Syracuse uh, alum, you know, he he did the best he could. I mean, I was I was surprised he got two touchdowns in that game, but. Um, it was, uh, it, 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 I mean, Saquon Barkley, I mean, he averaged five yards a carry, but other than that 21 yard run, he was held in check pretty much all game. I mean, of course, Dak Prescott doing what Dak does, like just putting up, I mean, I think in his career, 10, 400 plus yard passing games, I think the rest of the, the, the Cowboys franchise has nine. So he's done it by himself, uh, taking over 10, uh, 10, 400 yard passing games. And, that's the last time I checked. He hasn't. He's still got probably 
maybe a few more years with the Cowboys. So I think he's going to add to that number. So I'm, I'm feeling good. I mean, it's, you got to take it with a grain of salt because it is the giants. It's not, they, they're reminding me of the, they're the NFC version of the dolphins from a, a game perspective, because the dolphins, when they face good teams, it's a little bit tougher of a game where they lose games. They beat the teams they're supposed to beat. They whoop on the bad team. So the Cowboys, I feel like, are are in that kind of uh, bubble. I'm not trying to compare offenses because offenses between those two, it's, you know, it's, I would say, it's, you know, night and day for different reasons. They're both effective, but, you know, it's, it, but from how they, how they approach the games, I feel like the Cowboys and the Dolphins are kind of like, you know, on each conference, I feel like they're the same way. The difference is, I think, I think the NFC is not as uh, top heavy as the AFC. I feel like right now, I still think the Cowboys are one of the best teams in it. I think I, you know, I'd have to say they're top four, if I'm not mistaken. Here, I, I think the Niners are getting healthy. They had to get a, a good game this past week. So, and then you know, obviously, obviously the Eagles. So it's as a Cowboys fan, I'm, I'm happy, but. I'm not sleeping on the Panthers. We can't do that. We can't do the the the, the whole Texans thing like we did last year. We got it. It can't be the Bryce Young game. You know, we can't look too far ahead to the you know the upcoming opponents, the upcoming stretch. So I'm I'm very happy with the performance. But at the same time, let's like let's let's not you know I saw some Cowboys Nation folks out there that were like, all right, time to get us the Super Bowl. Like, all right, let's pump the brakes on that just a little bit. You know, it, it was the Giants. They're not a good football team. We did what we're supposed to do, and that's kick the crap out of them. Hey, uh, Halman, I think you might agree with this. Um, you know, if Tommy DeVito played well, we'd say he's he's the pride of Illinois football. But you know, since he didn't do so well, we'll say he's the pride of Syracuse football. Oh. Uh, you know, having <laughs> but listen, he had the two touchdowns. It, it looked good, but to me, it seemed like that the Cowboys, you know, were destined to win from the jump when uh, Coach Brian Dable challenged the what would have been a fumble on Brandon Cooks. Uh, clearly, was not a fumble. I don't know what you know incline him to do that if somebody told him to uh clearly the broadcast crew was like listen that that's pretty bad it's pretty evident so it seemed like that the giants were going to lose this game right from the start uh it, it the cowboys did struggle a little bit at the beginning of the game it looked like that they were playing with their food a little bit as everybody likes to say they went all the way down to the one yard line and couldn't get it done does that concern you a little bit but i mean otherwise it's sort of like picking nits because they were six or seven in the red zone throughout the rest of the day yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't really – it doesn't concern me because of how they responded to it. The fact that they, like, came out and maybe weren't completely at 100% just to start the game, um, but then they didn't let that persist throughout the rest of the game. Because speaking of the Texans game from a year ago, I mean, that was kind of what happened was they came out, kind of looked a little um, unsettled. They were sloppy on the first drive, and then that just kind of set the tone for the rest of the game. They didn't let it set the tone for this one. They they said, "Hey, th- those first couple of drives, that like that's not us. That's not what we can do. Let's go out and show them what we can do." And that's exactly what they did. Um, and and to any of the naysayers who say like, "Oh, well, it's just the Giants. They're a bad team." Like it's not just the Giants. Like you beat Syracuse legend Tommy DeVito. <laughs> that counts for a whole lot. Like it is. You do not just go beat Syracuse teams unless you're actually playing Syracuse. That is. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Future and- Hall of Famer, NFL Hall of Famer, Tommy. 
Yeah. yeah hey, listen, get it in there now. And this way, when it happens, you could say, you know, hey, go check the receipts yeah. on this. Um, and not to mention, I mean, it was uh, an absolute romping. The, the Cowboys led in yardage by a wide margin, 640 to 172. So it just wasn't a competitive game. Like you mentioned, B1, they handled their business. And how we're going to talk about this game is actually a, a, another game. Uh, with the two guys that I got here called What's Your Number? So if you know the uh, the awesome rom-com uh, between Anna Ferris and Chris Evans, of course, B1 hasn't seen it, which is quite unfortunate. Uh, but I, hopefully, Halman, you've seen it, right? I think I caught it on TBS a while back, like on just some random Saturday. So I've seen it, but I definitely don't remember much of it. <laughs> okay, well, that's fine. It has nothing to do with the movie. It's mostly about I'm going to rattle off some stats and numbers from the Cowboys game. We're going to guess the player, or you guys are going to guess the player, because I already know who they are, and we're going to talk about them a little bit. So everybody understand the rules? I think so. I think we're good. Awesome. We so, can figure it out. Yeah, I mean, well, with that, B1, I'll start with you. Um, and, you know, Howman, you can chime in as well. And I'll, I won't say the positions, because, of course, that might give things away. A little bit, but among all players at this specific position on Sunday, uh, this Cowboys player was third in yards after contact. They had a PFF grade of 75.4, which was fifth among all players at this position. Uh, They had a breakaway percentage of 48.1, and this player was also tied in fourth place with five missed tackles forced. So between the two of you guys, who do you think this player is? It's easy, baby. It's Rico season. Rico Dotto. Let's go, baby. Yeah. No, I I, I feel like uh, when, when you said the PFF grade, I feel like I was cheating a bit because I do the, the article breaking down PFF player grades, the, some of the best player grades from the week. And when you said the number, I was like, oh, that sounds like Rico. That sounds like something that, that he did. And, and then you listed the rest of the number, and I was like, that sure sounds like Rico Dowdle. He had a heck of a game. Yeah, and, and he really was top 10 among all running backs. And a lot of these grades and numbers, they're coming from PFF. And I usually, when I look at PFF stats, I put it at a minimum of about 20% of the snaps because sometimes players will flash in the moment and then they'll have a high grade and it just it doesn't reflect their overall production. Kind of puts it a little closer to the mean uh, when you kind of adjust it a little bit. Um, but, I mean, Rico was all, pretty much top 5, top 10, top 7. In almost every category, he had 63 yards after contact, uh, which was sixth among running backs in Week 10. You know, he was playing like a bulldozer player, something that the Cowboys have lacked, this power back style. Um, And not only that, but his elusive rating was 218.8, which was third among all running backs. So, Howman, from what you saw with not only the grade, did that reflect what you saw uh, with his performance against the Giants? I I definitely think so. Like, it it was – it was a little interesting the way that they shook up some of the, the carries between Pollard and Dowdle in this game. And I think it was for the best. It's hard to know how much of that was just the, the state of the game. And they were like, well, we're, we're blowing them out. So we don't want to give Tony too many carries or was it more so like, this is what they think is going to be the fix for the run game is getting it to more of a, more of a timeshare there, more balanced timeshare between the two. Um, we'll see how, how that progresses going forward. If they continue with Tony being the top guy or, or if they get Rico involved there more, but he definitely has that, um, you know, he's, he's got that dog in him. He's like, he's, he plays with that forward momentum. And, um, I don't, I don't know if he necessarily, like, when you look at him, he doesn't fit the prototype of like a power back, but he plays like a power back. He, he plays with that intensity. Um, and, and the fact that he he has been for so long doing so much work on special teams throughout his time with the Cowboys too, it just 
it's kind of a nice story for him. He, like he's earned this, he's earned this opportunity. And for him to go out and perform the way he did on Sunday was, it definitely felt really gratifying to see that for him. Well, and he's a hundred percent healthy for the first time in his career. This is, was, this yeah. was always the hope for the Cowboys and what they could get out of Rico. I know when Zeke was here and with Pollard, they had that three back rotation in, in mind, but unfortunately he just wasn't able to stay healthy um, for you. B one, is this something where it becomes a little bit more of a conversation of maybe not necessarily Rico becomes the RB1 in this offense, but are you looking for more of a 60-40 split? Are you looking for a clean 50-50, or is it really just ride the hot hand, whoever has the momentum into each and every game, just kind of ride with that player? Well, somebody who's been saying this on the show the last uh, last, ha- last handful of weeks, I've been looking for Rico to get more touches. So I don't want it to be a 50-50. I think, I think Tony Pollard still, I think he's still going to be the – the pseudo lead back. I feel like he's going to be the 60% side of it in the 40. I, you know, whatever the hot hand, however the hot hand plays out as well. I Rico to me, and I might be off base on this, but he, his running style reminds me of, he's a more athletic version of the uh, former 49ers. Now Miami dolphin running back, Jeff Wilson, Jr. Who was also a, a North Texas product. They're built the same way. They're about 215, uh, give or take. And, you know, the difference with Rico is I feel like he's a more explosive player. But the way he just runs, he runs like he's not, like this is going to be the last time he gets the ball kind of thing. Like he's just he's always just trying to just lay, lay it all on the line, so to speak, and just get get as much as he can. And it's nothing against Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard's just not built that way. And that's that's not that's not a you know, that's not a slight towards him. He's to me, and I've been saying this for I've been saying this for weeks. Where I feel like Tony Pollard is the guy you want to get the ball in space. I feel like he's the good twenty to twenty guy, which that's fine. That's very effective. I mean, if you're a fantasy football player, a fan, you're you're probably not too happy about that because I, I you know, as somebody who plays fantasy football, it's tough to get the you know get a lot of points with the guys that are twenty to twenty, but for a football team purpose, this is a good thing because. Tony Pollard has the juice to, you know, break loose. And he, he, you know, he, you know, he's in a foot race. Good luck. He's, he's, he's even with the injury. I mean, he's, he's not, I don't, I don't think he's fully back from that perspective, but he still has enough breakaway speed to, you know, to break one loose. And I think Rico to me is one of those guys where he, he's a, like, like you guys mentioned, he's a dog, man. I love that guy. Like, and I'll give kudos to our our colleague at BTB, Tony Catalina. He was he was big on the train and in, in the in the off season. You know I was you know and I, I was I was I was on the other side with Malik Davis, but I saw early on in the season, you know you know er, you know first month of the season when Rico was in there at all, I was like, yep, this is the guy that needs to get the goal line touches. And let's see, he scored a touchdown this past week. I know I know it's against the Giants. I mean, take it as you will. They're still a professional team. They're still an NFL team. So, and, and, and here's the other thing. To go percentage-wise, it was 56% Tony Pollard, 44% to Rico Dottle. So, even if they ride the hot hand, they do this, they do that, I don't mind this kind of split. 60-40, I think, is a, you know, a good, a good a place to look, but you know, it, it, the hot hand is not a bad approach. We've seen it in other teams. We've seen it, you know, a lot of Bijan Robinson fans haven't been uh, happy, you know, with the, how the Falcons have been using Tyler Algier. But it's the same thing. You, you know, if a guy's feeling good and the guy's hitting the hole, he's just he's just seeing it right, feeling good, you just keep handing him the ball and let him play. So that's where I'm at with, with Rico Dottle. And, and I did say, uh, you know, on last week's show, you know, you know, running back could be a day two, day three kind of thing. You know, and, and – 
And again, I said Rico would be a guy for the rest of the year, but this is a this is not only a showcase for Rico, you know, maybe to earn more, you know, the end of this year, you know, going to the end of this year and maybe a role with the Cowboys next year, but this could be an audition for another gig later on because NFL teams are always looking for backs like this guy. And he, he again, he reminds me like he reminds me of a Jeff Wilson type player. So, and, and guys like that are always welcome on the Dallas Cowboys in my opinion. I just want to point out too, like you mentioned, yeah, it's the Giants, but I mean, I know I joked earlier about, you know, Tommy DeVito and the Syracuse thing, but to be fair, like the Giants defense, they, they're not like a good defense, but they definitely were not nobody. Like, it's not like they just did this against a terrible, you know, worst in the league defense. I mean, looking at their schedule, you know, they, they've had some bad games, but, you know, um, 13 points given up to the Jets, only uh, seven against the Commanders, who, who have actually had a pretty solid offense. They lift, limited the Bills to 14, like – this is a defense that, you know, on a good day, they can they can be pretty tough. And so for the for the Cowboys to come out here, Rico Dowdle for everybody else to come out and play the way that they did, I mean that that's it, you're not gonna it's not as big as doing it against the Jets defense, not as big against doing it against like the Eagles defense or some of these other teams out there, but it's also not for nothing. Yeah, I completely agree. And you mentioned B one, you know, the way that the NFL is heading seemingly is that it's a two back system now. Like there aren't many teams that carry just one running back you know you see teams like maybe Jacksonville you know have Travis Etienne as their sort of go-to guy but even the rotational guys that they have when they come in there's not enough juice you need guys that can be almost like RB1s on their own but they're kind of splitting time like you mentioned Tyler Algier Bijan Bijan Robinson Um, you also have too the Detroit Lions they've been doing this for the past few seasons under Ben Johnson they have David Montgomery going over 116 yards and of course 75 of them came on Sunday on one run but then Jameer Gibbs also had 14 carries for 77 yards so it is possible a lot of teams are doing it and not to mention I mean the more work that Dowdle gets that means that Pollard becomes fresher by the end of the year and that's something Mike McCarthy always wants he wants the most explosive players healthy and fresh by the end of the year when it matters it's like against the Giants Pollard getting two touchdowns three touchdowns doesn't really matter if he goes over 100 yards it's great but you want it to be more in the playoffs rather than in the regular season and I totally get that so moving on to the second player um, this Cowboys, and I'll narrow it down to offensive linemen. So this, you know, you have a, a more narrow field to work with here. Um, this offensive lineman has performed very well in two weeks. Sits with an 88.2 pass blocking grade, which was third for the week. Allowed zero pressures. Has a pass blocking efficiency at 100 for over the past two weeks. And this player is the top graded pass blocking offensive lineman in the NFL at 86.1 and the 11th best overall offensive lineman in pass blocking efficiency at 98.9. So who is this? Who is this offensive lineman? Mm. I think my guess. Who's your answer? Who's your answer, Hallman? I'll, I'll, I'll be straight <laughs> with you. If you're right, I'll agree with you. If I, I, I might have a different answer, but I want to see what you think. I think it's Tyler Smith. I, that's who I was thinking too. I think yeah. it's Tyler Smith. That's kind of, you know, the obvious answer is always like, yeah, you know, when in doubt, pick Zach Martin. But I think Tyler Smith's been having a good stretch over the last two games. So this is actually Tyron Smith. It's not oh. Tyler. This is Tyron. So, oh. yeah. No, I he's, mean, that's, that's who I meant, right? Yeah, yeah I think so. so you know, when, when it's over Zoom or Skype or wherever we record, it's like sometimes it gets 
like a little fishy with the audio, so <laughs> we'll give it to you. But no, I mean, when I was looking at his numbers over the past wow. two weeks, like I said, he's been very impressive. And of course, a lot of fans are looking at the fact that he didn't practice, of course, against the uh, before the Eagles week, had his best game of the season, and then he tops it again. After not, I mean, he did practice a little bit, but not really as much as he normally did over his ten- tenure with the Cowboys um, this week, and he had another great performance. So I look at this because I, I ask you, Howman. Is this offense tied to the health to Tyron now? And I'm not saying it in a way where it's like when Tyron's not healthy, that means the offense is going to fall completely apart. But when you look at the passing game and how it's improved over the past few weeks, Tyron Smith has played his best football over the past few weeks here. So to me, it's like Dak Prescott's had a lot more time. He's been well protected, especially against the blind side. And when you look at him with Tyler Smith, to me, that's one of the best, if not the best, left side combinations in the NFL along an offensive line. Yeah, it makes, a, it makes things a whole lot easier having both of those guys there. And one of the reasons why I guessed Tyler Smith originally is because he's also having a great year. I mean, yeah. he, he came back a little late, but he has been just dominating ever since. And not just in the run game, which is where he was dominant last year as a rookie, but he's so much better in pass pro and especially playing in that guard spot as opposed to having to get all the way out there and, you know, get to his past set like Tyron Smith does. And he does it at a Hall of Fame level. He's been doing it for a while. Having those two guys there on that left side is just a blessing. And, I mean, both of them have been putting up just teach tape week in, week out. So, yeah, I mean, I don't – to your point, like, I, yeah, I don't think it, like, completely kills their offense if he misses time. Obviously, he's missed some time this year. They, they've already gone through that with him. And they've been able to, you know, put together an offense that still is able to move the ball, still is able to score. But yeah, anytime that you can just put those two guys out there next to each other and say, very, very rarely am I going to have to worry about my blind side. That makes things so much easier. It gives Dak time to look for those deep shots, which have also gone up in the last few weeks, especially this game against the Giants. I mean, he was going downfield like all the time and, and he was winning every single time. So it, it it's really nice to have a guy like that protecting your blind side and having him available. Now, B1, there were a few plays that I saw where I think Bobby Belt was mentioning this on his podcast today, where I think it was the the run that Daddle had for 21 yards, where it was a sort of toss to the left side, but it looked like Tyron Smith was out of position. And he said, maybe that could be a case because he wasn't practicing during the week. So when you see stuff like that, is it sort of like you just throw it by the wayside? Because it's like, listen, it's Tyron Smith at the end of the day. If he misses one or two plays or whatever, that's fine. It's like he's still great in pass protection if he's not the best in run blocking. I think that also can contribute to Tony Pollard's lack of success, like what we were just talking about, where the offensive line isn't really uh, playing up to their standard, I think, in, in run blocking right now. But the way that this offense is moving right now, the offensive line is played together at the starting five, all five healthy. I think it's the fifth time in six weeks. So clearly there's momentum starting to be built. And like Howman mentioned just before, the Giants defensive front isn't anything to kind of, you know, cough at, sniff at, whatever. You know, they are uh, still a strong defensive front um, with Dexter Lawrence, Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, Zizo Jolari, like a lot of these guys. Um, so do you kind of just let them say, you know what, if you want to not practice during the week, maybe get a few walkthroughs, something like that on Saturday, totally fine. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's be honest. I don't want him anywhere near the field on Thursdays uh, during the week. <laughs> Thursdays I feel like are like the, uh, the Tyler Smith, uh, weeks or uh, Tyron Smith issue weeks where every time Thursday comes, you're like, all right, what's, what's going on? Is it an illness? It's at this, it's at the back. Like what's going on here. And for me, he's been in the league for so long. He's, he's a future hall of famer. He's, 
he, you know, he, he, to me, he gets a pass. I know that, you know, whatever, you know, some people may be like, oh, well, he should be practicing. To me, he doesn't need to practice. It's, it's Tyron Smith. He's, he's the, he's one of the best left tackles in the game still today. And yes, his availability has been a question mark over the years and this and that. But guess what? When he plays, you led to it. You know, we, you know, Hallman and I were both like, oh, oh, Tyron Smith had the highest grade here. Like, wow, this is, these are the numbers here. And that's that to me is just a that's just how good of a player he is. So if he's, I'll take him out of position or he misses something once or twice a game because how many Tyron Smiths are in the league right now? I'm just saying, like that guy is that guy is elite. And actually, I was looking at the PFF while we're chatting here. Interestingly enough, Zach Martin and Tyler Smith have the exact overall grade of 74.2. I had to double take that. I'm like. Wow, our left and right guard are both playing at a very good level right now. Obviously, Terrence Steele is our lowest ranked PFF overall, and then you know Biotis is at sixty and change. So it's you know it's, I mean, three out of five guys is, are over seventy four point two. Like that's that's pretty good. Biotis, I feel like he, I feel like he's still he's a, he's a very good center. I think we've talked about that, and then I think Terrence Steele on the other side of it as well. Yeah, his grade for that, his overall grade's not great. But I felt like this was a good get-right week for him. I feel like, you know, yes, the Giants are what they are. But, like you mentioned, they have some guns on that defensive line and that edge rush. Obviously, you know, Thibodeau, uh, These, you know, there's some talented guys there. Dexter Lawrence is in there as well. Like, these these pass rushers, this defensive line, they're not a slouch. They're not slouches in, in, in New York. But I felt like Terrence Steele bounced back from the Eagles game. I felt like, to me, and I said it last week, Terrence Steele is one of those dudes where, you know, I, I felt like the coaching staff kind of let him down last week. And he responded by having a pretty solid week. That, you know, I was watching some of the highlights back, and Terrence Steele looked good. So I'm, you know, as the offensive line as a whole, I'm not, you know, I'm not really that concerned about right now. I just think if there are issues, the Cowboys coaching staff just needs to give them assistance, especially on the outside with Terrence Steele. The rest of the guys, I'm not really that concerned about, honestly. Yeah, and you know, they're going to be playing the Carolina Panthers this upcoming weekend. We'll see the health of Brian Burns, but. You know, they also have Derek Brown in the middle, the de- big defensive tackle. And then they also have our guy that we've talked about at nauseum during the trade deadline, Frankie Louvu, um, as a pseudo pass rusher, almost like a Micah Parsons uh, Carolina version. Um, so we'll see, you know, if they can all stay healthy, play really well. I think, again, you just build momentum, keep moving forward um, as the season goes on. Want to go to the third player now. Um, this player had the third best offensive grade among the rookie class of pass catchers at 79.5. Their 26 yards after the catch was tied for seventh among uh, the same class of rookie players in week 10. Who is it? Oh, we, we know. We know who What's your guess, Alman? I'm curious. In, in honor of, uh, of our co-host who's not here, I I have to go ahead and say (laughs) that the offensive rookie of the year front runner, the guy who's got to be in the mix for offensive player of the year, you know, him. You love him, Jalen Brooks. You have to throw in a meatball, a softball occasionally. Uh, that one was for Chris. Unfortunately, he couldn't join us tonight. But, uh, yeah, no, Jalen Brooks, he had a, a pretty solid game. And I do think that he got the opportunity to because Cavante Turpin wasn't available. Of course, the healthy or a scratch before the game due to injury with the shoulder injury, giving him some time to rest. Um, but is there enough room, B1, in this offense for right now with, with Gallup, Tolbert, and then now Brooks slash Turpin? I mean, can you kind of fit all these guys in? Because he did look pretty good in spot duty, you know, on Sunday. 
Uh, it's tough. You know, I do, I do really like, I do like, uh, Holland, Chris Holland's boy there. He's, he's a, he's, he's got some juice to him. I just, if, if Turpin's available, I want to, if it comes down to either, or I'm, I'm taking Turpin 10 times out of 10. I feel like, I feel like Turpin is more, you know, I mean, I, I, I get Brooks does a lot of the good things. Like he's a good blocker. You know, he, you know, he has, as Chris, as our boy, Chris Holland would say, he's got that Noah Brown in him. So he, you know, Noah Brown, that's a pretty good name these days. Cause he's one of the, one of the better players in the game statistically. And he's, he's been playing well. So not a bad time to compare yourself to Noah Brown, but yeah, I mean, I wish we could, I wish we could play him more often, but I think we're in a position where, you can't carry seven guys at this point. I just, I think that's just a little too deep for me, but he is the next guy. So like, and I'm not wishing this obviously, but if there is an injury that were to pop up, hopefully I'm not putting any bad juju in the universe or anything, but he would be the next guy in line because he is, he's shown some flashes. He has some ability. I mean, I heard Greg Olson and, you know, and, and Kevin there talking, you know, talk, Kevin Burkhart talking about, you know, how, you know, how much juice this kid has. And they were like, who is that guy? Because they, because, you know, the only person that knew him besides all of, all of us at, you know, Cowboys Nation blogging the boys here, you know, it, it you know, it, you know, was us. Like they were like, I don't know who the heck this guy is. And he's, he popped up in the warm ups and you hear Greg Olson, you know, showing praises like, oh, this dude's got some juice. So, it's it's it, unfortunately it's a numbers game. I do think if it came down to him or Deuce Vaughn at this point for like that last you know game day spot, I would probably give it to Brooks right now. That's just kind of where I'm at. I can't believe I'm saying that because I've been on the Deuce Vaughn train all season long. So you know I you know props to Jalen Brooks. It, but to me, it's just one of those things where there's maybe not enough room for him on the game day roster every week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And I also think, Hellman, that this shows to the talent evaluation that the Cowboys have found uh, with the wide receiver position, not only in the pro personnel department, but also in the draft. And if you can get them a few reps in the regular season, that, like, to, to be one's point, if something were to happen depth-wise, like, you can kind of slide him in there and then not worry about missing a step because he has a feel with Dak. Dak clearly liked throwing to him in training camp. So that rapport is there, and you want to keep building on it, and especially giving him some extra reps in his rookie season. Yeah, it's always nice to have a guy like that on your roster where, like, you're in his case so far this season, you haven't played him much. This is only his third game actually being active and clearly the one where he played by far the most. Uh, and it wasn't even just, like, mop-up duty. Like, he was playing with the ones he was catching passes from Dak. Like, you know, that's that's pretty significant. And – um, you know, I, I, again, I, I think most weeks he's, he's not going to be active just because 
you know, like, like B1 said, it's a numbers game. They've got, you know, several different names of receivers that they want to get involved when Kevontae Turpin is back and healthy and playing. Like, they're going to want him to not only be their return man, but get him on the field at a receiver. And he's done a lot more work there this year. But I think overall, like, this was a great game for the rookie class all the way around. Like, Mozzie Smith had a good game. Deuce Vaughn, I mean, he didn't like the, like the game on fire, but he had a good punt return. He had that one catch where you showed the juice. He still has Jalen Brooks had a big game. Of course, Brandon Aubrey remains, you know, perfect. They didn't ask him to do much, but he just does what he does. And, um, you know, for, for how much uh, criticism this rookie class has taken so far this year, and a lot of it has just been they haven't gotten on the field. Like, this was a game where I feel like the guys – that, that were there, like they all had an opportunity. They all kind of stepped up. Luke Speedmaker had that drop, but he also had a huge block to get C.D. Lamb loose for that touchdown run. Um, you know, they all showed up and they all did their thing. And, and you know, again, to the scouting and the evaluation, you know, they, they have a lot of guys that are veteran players that are on this team that are taking up a lot of the snaps, but they also have some young guys that are shown in this game and in other games they got a bright future, too. Well, and if you can keep drafting seventh-round picks and they turn into a Noah Brown, a Jalen Brooks, that's a pretty solid track record. Uh, Jeff Swain, even, you know, the guy that you trade for, trade up for in the draft. You know, the Cowboys have a history in the seventh round. I also want to throw out there, too, at one point I did see a formation in the offense where it was CeeDee Lamb, Jalen Tolbert, and Jalen Brooks. Uh, as your three wide receivers. Uh, that was weird to see, especially when you have Michael Gallup and Brandon Cooks on the sideline. But listen, it, it's, it's again, an embarrassment of riches. You can kind of play around with a few things um, and just see, you know, again, when you have a game against the Giants, an inferior opponent, you want to get guys like Jalen Brooks some reps. You can sick guys like CeeDee Lamb after, of course, he broke that record. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but I do want to throw out another player. Uh, we may or may not have already mentioned his name, potentially. Uh, this player had 25 snaps total throughout the entire game. However, they probably had the best game of the season. Uh, they had an 83.9 defensive grade and a 77.5 run defense grade. Who is this player? Mozzie Smith. Yeah, bingo. Yeah, uh, we, we, we were just talking about him, and as soon as Hammond mentioned his name, I was like, man, I, I really want to get to this. Uh, I, I brought it up on Twitter uh, earlier. It was I didn't want to say the position because that would have given it away too, um, but 10th yeah. among interior defensive linemen for the week, for week 10, and then 9th among in, interior defensive linemen in run grade. This really was Mozzie Smith's best game of the season, in my opinion. Um, there was that one play that I posted with the tweet. I, I thought it was – a formation thing where Mozzie Smith was so late off the jump uh, that it allowed Justin Pugh to kind of rush past him and then it left Mozzie Smith to go through. I, I will give him credit that if that is exactly what he was doing, great. Dan Quinn is in his bag, clearly. Uh, but if he was off the jump, clearly there are some things that he's still trying to, to work on with timing. Um, but you could see that even in limited reps, things are kind of starting to click. So for you, Howman, is this something that is positive you want to see a little bit more? Um, but then you also have a guy like Neville Gallimore that stepped up again, also had his best game probably of the year. You just have a few guys where even if Osa doesn't flash as much, you can kind of get the depth pieces going a little bit more and which will help down the line. Yeah. Well, I mean, Gallimore had a good game, but he might be kicking himself for what he did at the very end. Um, <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> he did it to a Syracuse guy too. Like, come on, man, what are we doing? <laughs> the ultimate crime. Um, very no, I mean, it, it was definitely encouraging to see from Mozzie. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that the, the game where he has his highest snap total in a game is also the game where he plays his best. Like, I, I think that's, you know, I, I've, I've been watching Mozzie closely all year throughout his games just because I, I write the, 
the weekly rookie report. And so I need to sit down and like really watch his plays and his snaps. And like, he's doing well when he's in there, he's just not in there much. And part of that is because, you know, if, if you're choosing between him and Jonathan Hankins, you're going to give Hankins more of the reps there as, as the veteran run stuffer and Hankins has been having a great year. So I don't have an issue with him getting more snaps. And then also in terms of like getting the two of them on the same field at the same time, like then you're taking a, taking away snaps from Osa Digizua, who's had a great year. You're taking snaps away from Chauncey Golston, who's been good in spot duty, Neville Gallimore. So it, it's just a, an unfortunate circumstance of how deep they are on the interior, of that defensive line, which is a nice problem to have. But for him to come out and have a game like this where he plays a lot and then he not only plays a lot, but he looks like the Mozzie Smith we thought we were getting. Um, really encouraging. I don't know if I necessarily like want to see him with that same workload every single week just because that, again, that means less Hankins, less Adigizua. But, but yeah, I mean, if, if they can work him in a little bit more, especially as the season goes on longer, maybe Hankins being a more veteran guy, like he, he needs a little bit of a reduction in snaps to, to keep him fresh. Like overall, I, I was just very happy to see him actually make his mark and, and have a good game. And to your point, according to PFF, Mozzie Smith had the fourth best uh, grade on defense for the Cowboys. So clearly, you know, there there's a lot there where he made it to the top five. And B1, the common theme that we're talking about here is like clearly the Giants are not a, a great team. They're, they're going to be picking high in the draft uh, next year. They have a third string quarterback. Again, not taking away from everybody getting up every Sunday to play football, but some somebody might say some Joe Schmo out there would say, well, Mozzie Smith had his best game against the worst offensive line in football. But isn't there something to building on positive momentum? A guy who really has struggled a little bit, still trying to find his way. Isn't there something to building upon a performance and then hopefully that carries through the rest of the year? Absolutely. I mean, why do why do college football and, and, and college basketball teams play random schools that you never heard of during the early season? It's <laughs> it's to get the it's to get the momentum going. It's it's to you know you kick the crap out of somebody that you know you're better than, and it gives you that positive momentum. Alabama does it all the time in football, and they're like, all right, it's like seventy-two nothing. You know, that's like you know, it's it's one of those type of situations. So for Amazi Smith, yeah, I mean, he was playing against you know he's playing against arguably one of the worst lines in the league. But these guys are still professionals. A guy like Justin Pugh has been in the league a long time. He was a former first-round pick, so uh, you know from Syracuse, and he was a good. He you know at times he was a good player. Um, you know, I think they're playing him out of position. He's not a good tackle in the NFL. He's a, he's more of a guard. He's been a guard for many years. So, you know, when they, when they put him out at left tackle, I'm like sitting there thinking, yeah, these boys are going to be feasting and we got so many sacks in the game. So for Mozzie Smith, I just, I feel like, you know, to your point, it's, it's mojo. It's about getting this mojo going and, you know, and, and we know Mike McCarthy loves that mojo. So, you know, it's one of those things where I think he can build on that. And another great game coming up here, a very appetizing game against the Carolina Panther team who, again, they're, they're not good either. I mean, they're, they're going through their own issues. You know, Bryce Young's not having a lot of, you know, he's not having a lot of luck and it's not because of Bryce Young as a talent. I just think, you know, for him, he's, you know, he's, He's got an offensive line in front of him that I don't think is very good. So I think this is another game where Mozzie can really – I want to see more – I want to see those kind of snaps. I know Hellman said maybe not not maybe not maybe as many snaps, you know, like we saw against the Giants. But I think this week coming up would be good for him to get him some good positive reps ahead of the, the big stretch coming up where it's going to be a, a tough stretch of really quality football games uh, towards the end of the year. So for Mozzie Smith, I do – you know, I, I do think – Get him some more snaps. This last week was good mojo. Let's get some even more mojo because here's the thing. 
Hankins is a veteran. You know, we have Osa. Obviously, you don't want to take those guys off the field. But you have a first-round pick. You invested You invested a, a high draft capital for a guy. You got to get him out there. You got to get him exposed. You know to you know to, you know to the you know to the game because a college game in the you know in the in the Big Ten versus you know the NFL is a whole different ball game. So it's you know getting him some quality reps against some quality players. Doesn't matter how good or bad that team is, it's still NFL competition. So for me, it's good for Mozzie Smith. And really quick, I know we were talking about Mozzie kind of being out of position. Dan Quinn is definitely in his bag. Did you see Demarcus Lawrence in that one play? Like he was lined up at like linebacker just about. Like that was, and I got to give credit to uh, no C Patrick Walker from DallasCowboys.com. Hey, I saw that. I saw that on X, and I was like, oh my god, I gotta. I looked at it. I'm like, man, Tank's a little off offline there. So Dan Quinn, he's just drawing it up. He's having fun right now. He's just putting guys in places, and uh, you know that was that was a sack for uh, Demarcus Lawrence. So. Mozzie Smith made a great play on the ball where we thought maybe maybe that wasn't the right position timing wise, but you know obviously it's it's working. Let's keep Mozzie Smith uh, in the game a little bit, get him some quality reps because I do think we're going to need him down the stretch. I'll be in Buffalo in December. Those are going to be some games where I feel like you're going to have you need some guys that are in there for run stuffing and Mozzie Smith. I think those kind of games he's used to it in Michigan. I feel like we're going to need him uh, down the stretch. To your point, I think in that uh, play where Demarcus Lawrence got the sack, I think if I remember just picturing the formation, it was Dante Fowler, it was Chauncey Golston, Micah Parsons lined up over the center. Uh, I think Osa and then Dorrance on on the other side on defensive end, and then Demarcus Lawrence behind Micah Parsons. I mean, it, for whatever reason, <laughs> def, de, defensive football right now is at an all time high, and I just think that these mad scientists of defensive coordinators out there, you know, Brian Flores included, they're just throwing everything out there. You know, they're just, just going to the very bottom of the bag and just seeing what what lint they can kind of pull out. Um, I also By want. The way. Is there anything more terrifying for a center than having Micah Parsons just standing <laughs> right over ahead of you? Like yeah. not only do you have to snap the ball and make sure that like you snap it properly, then you got to get up and like the fastest, like most athletic pass rusher in football is like right there. And he's already got a head start. Like I know it's, it's always going to be weird to see him lined up over the center, but also like what a cheat code that is to have him there. It's just Dan Quinn is going nuts. Well, and you see uh, it. Yeah, I was going to say you see it too with Miles Garrett, TJ Watts doing all this stuff, Nick Bosa. I mean, right now, defensive football, like I said, there's a lot of all-stars and a lot of all-pros competing for the Defensive Player of the Year award. Um, and that's a great thing to see, especially when one of those guys is on the Dallas Cowboys. Um, we can't get out of here without talking about the the curse of the red stripe. I think we can officially put to bed. Uh, the Cowboys put back-to-back uh, 40 burger, and then last year against the Colts, it, almost, well, it was 50 points, right? against the Colts the Cowboys put up? Yeah. Yeah, it so was, yeah. It, it's it was, yeah. impressive performances with the red stripe now. It's If anything, it just means they're guaranteed 40 points on the scoreboard. But uh, I do want to talk about Dak Prescott um, and his performance. 26 of 35, 404 yards passing, four touchdowns, one interception. You know, hey, we, we all can't be perfect. No, Everybody makes mistakes. Um, and then he also had the one rushing touchdown as well, too. Just clearly, clearly playing an all-time high level right now. So... The player that I want to talk about is actually not on the Cowboys. It's a comparison to Dak Prescott and his numbers. So it's not a Cowboys player. So you might have to struggle with this one. I can't throw all Jalen Brooks meatballs here. Um, So (laughs) Dak Prescott through nine games is at a 70.7 completion percentage with 88 incompletions. That's absolutely absurd. Uh, 
2,415 passing yards, 17 touchdowns, six interceptions, 105.1 quarterback rating, and a 74.7 on-target throw percentage. The mystery player here in question has a 61.6 completion percentage, 2,626 passing yards, 15 touchdowns, 101 quarterback rating, and a 63.2 on-target throw percentage. So very similar numbers to Dak. Does anybody have an idea? Of who this quarterback might be? Oh my goodness! You're throwing, you're throwing. This is like, this is like uh, uh, the late great Tim Wakefield knuckleball. Like you're just kind of guessing <laughs> at this at this point. Oh. I feel like I have an idea, but I won't be one to go first. <sighs> can I ask? Can I? Can I ask for like a clue really quick? Just like, like is sure. it? Are, are they in? Are they in our conference? No. Okay, that helps me. Okay. Um. Oh God. <laughs> I'm just gonna throw it out there and see if it sticks. Like, is it is it Tua? It is not Tua. Howman, you have a guess. My my guess is Pat Mahomes. No, it's not Pat Mahomes. It's the other Texas quarterback, C.J. Stroud. Oh. Uh, and I I didn't want to give the interception number because he's uh, with the league least two interceptions uh, through nine games. Clearly playing at an awesome level. Of course, they, the Houston Texans defeated the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati. Great performance. But I bring up both of these players because right now, I think personally, the conversation of MVP has never been closer really through nine games throughout every year. I can remember it's always either, okay, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Pat Mahomes. Um, you know, you have all these guys that are playing at a high level and they're the elite of the elite. But this year you have guys like Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, not really playing up to their standard of football. These guys are, Super talented, but you look at those two guys, it's like, okay, you know, they're struggling a little bit on offense. You have guys like Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, who are very, very good when they're great, and they are usually great all the time, but they struggle a little bit over the past few weeks. Lamar Jackson, of course, passing numbers aren't that comparable to, to Dak Prescott. Of course, he's more of the elite runner. He has a high, highest completion percentage with, with Lamar. But then you have guys like Brock Purdy, Justin Herbert, Tua. You can kind of poke holes in each and every one of them. So that, to me, leaves... I know MJD, Maurice Jones-Drew throughout that CJ Stroud is the top of the MVP conversation. I don't necessarily believe in that. But when you look at someone like Dak Prescott over at least the past four weeks of football, past four games since sort of that Chargers game, he's playing, in my opinion, the best football I've seen of his career. 2021 was very good. 2020 was very good. Even his rookie season was good. But it was more of like the efficiency of the offense. But for whatever reason, after the bye week, something changed in this offense. They're playing a lot more to Dak's strengths and saying, Dak, like, go win us some football games. If we can't run the ball, like, win us these games. And it's not just against inferior opponents. Like, yes, the Chargers are up and down. The Rams are, of course, not that great. The Giants are not the best team in the world. But his performance against the Philadelphia Eagles is still really good. And if he's consistent to me, that's the mark of an MVP. Somebody who's elevating their team to the absolute elite level. Uh, padding the stats and when you look at the next few games between the Panthers the Commanders the Seahawks and then the Eagles again at home there's a real chance that Dak can kind of establish himself and kind of run away with this once we kind of hit December and we're not that far off from when voting has to start you know happening here so to I'll throw it to you guys is Dak firmly in the MVP conversation you want to throw Stroud in there where are your thoughts on this I say yes to both of them I I think I think Dak definitely uh, has to be in the MVP conversation. I think there's a whole lot of people that are not ready for that conversation yet, just because people get nutty when they talk about Dak Prescott. 
I mean, a year ago, it was like every single week, it was interceptions, interceptions, interceptions. And now that he's, you know, got one of the lower interception rates in the NFL, like nobody wants to talk about it. Like suddenly, like nobody has anything to say about Dak Prescott now that he's playing well. But the moment the Cowboys lose again, everyone's going to come out of the woodwork. So it's just, I don't know, like what he has to do, you know, the rest of the season to get like actually in the conversation that's taking place on some of these like national shows. But if you just are breaking it down over like which quarterbacks have been the best for their teams, like he's definitely in the conversation. As far as Stroud goes, like it's always going to be an uphill battle for a rookie to actually win MVP. Um, But I mean, looking at other, like you know some of the other players, some of the other quarterbacks and candidates, like there hasn't been one or two guys that have really like just completely risen to the top yet. And Stroud is playing out of his mind. He has the Texans, you know, actually being competitive for a playoff spot right now. And we know for a fact the last few years, like the Texans have not even come close to that. So obviously he's not the only new player on this year's team, but he has definitely added a lot of value. So I think he has to at least be mentioned in the race. And, you know, we're talking about Dak since that week six game against the Chargers. Uh, Brad Spielberg of PFF posted uh, the other day, or actually today, he said Dak Prescott since week six, 92.8 passing grade, which is first among quarterbacks, 9.7 yards per attempt, which is first, 12 passing yards first, 10.7 big time throw rate first, 1.2 turnover worthy play rate fourth best, um, 67.1 of per, uh, percent of his passing yards via air yards first and second in total passing yards with a bye week in there as well. So B1, I mean, we were talking at the beginning of the year, 5,000 yards. Hammond and I were kind of like, oh, yeah, it's not really going to happen. But he's played like the quarterback you were expecting him to be when he, you threw out that proclamation. And then when Chris was talking about a few weeks ago about the 49ers game, like I get it. Dak will win you games. He'll lose you games. We, we understand that. But that, to me, that's the nature of playing quarterback. I can't bury the guy just yet because he still has this type of player in him. So when people were willing to write him off a few weeks ago saying, oh, we shouldn't sign him long term, kind of when they traded for Trey Lance, it's like, oh, this means the end of Dak. Not so fast. To me, the further he plays like this down the stretch of the year, if he ends up with an MVP type season, Super Bowl, you know, trophy and all that stuff, I, again, getting ahead of myself, you know, he's just bringing up that price tag higher and higher and higher for the Cowboys to try and re-sign him. And to me, that's a great problem to have, and I'm sure Jerry Jones would love to have that problem too. Oh, 100%. And my, my proclamation isn't looking that bad if he keeps throwing the ball 400 <laughs> yards. I mean, last two weeks we had 374 against the Eagles defense, which that's a legit game. He also threw three touchdowns and, and zero interceptions. And then this week, 404. So, like, if he if he keeps putting those games up, and I'm not trying to put that on Dak or anything, but, like, right now on the season, he has he's at 2,415 yards. Like, if he puts up 350, 400 yards, and I'm not, I don't have the calculator in front of me at this point, but if he's putting up those kind of numbers the rest of the way and we still have a good chunk in the season left, that 5,000 number isn't that far out of the question, I don't think. I, I, that, I mean, it, it would take a lot for him to get there, but I do think he has a, you know, he's still in that conversation. If he can ball out the way he has the last two weeks, then I think he that 5,000 number that y'all looked at me crazy at. And, you know, it didn't look good when he threw for like a buck, what was it, a buck 40, buck 50 against the Niners not that long back. But, you know, playing the way he has the last few games, like like you mentioned, this last, this last stretch of games, he's been playing some really good football. And the other side of it, too, is if you look at, you know, if you're looking at the, the touchdowns, He's thrown 17, so he's he's a little bit off the off the pace 
you know, for, you know, you know, for that 40 that I keep talking about. But again, if he, if he throws three touchdowns or like this week, he threw four touchdowns, like the last two games, if he's putting up close to those type of numbers, the rest of the way, which is a tall order and a big ask. And I'm not expecting him to, I'm not expecting him. He has to do it or it's not a good season or the Cowboys are not winning games. But if he can keep that up, which that's a, that's a pretty historic pace that not only is he in the MVP conversation, which I think he's in the top 10 right now. I'd put him in the top eight, I think, right now. But overall, I mean, the interceptions, too. He's had six interceptions all season. Like, that's he's averaging less than two a game. So he's, you know, that, that single-digit number that I put out there, I put some big numbers out there because the last two games in particular, this is Dak Prescott that I came out and said at the beginning of the season, 5,040 touchdowns, single interception, single-digit interception season. This is the Dak Prescott I've expected. And just to put it out there, and not only was the last stretch really good, but this past Sunday, and just to add the 97.2 QBR this past weekend, was the highest single game rating by a quarterback in the league all season. So Dak is firing on all cylinders. I think if he can keep this up and keep the train moving against some really tough opponents coming up down the stretch, I think the MVP conversation can't be too crazy, I don't think. Yeah, and just to kind of like punctuate that too is, not only is it Dak is playing great, but BT, you mentioned it like as potentially being you know the best he's played in his career. Some of that is, too is is the offense. Like Mike McCarthy is putting the ball in Dak's hand and saying like, "Go win this game for us." Like, go drive this offense down the field. Part of that's because the run game isn't working, but I think too part of it is just he understands you know this is the guy that that drives this offense and he's letting him do it. And to kind of toot my own horn a little bit, one of my predictions back before the season started, when, when, uh, when you also gave your um, not so outlandish now take on on the five thousand yards, is I, I wanted the early down pass rate to be approaching that sixty percent mark, and for the season right now they're at fifty eight point eight percent, which I would Ooh, consider close. approaching sixty percent. Yeah. But since since the bye week, when they kind of you know revamped their offense, got more motion, they've been throwing a lot on early downs too, they're at 60.2% since the bye week. So like not only are they, you know, doing what I wanted them to do, but they're putting the ball in Dak's hand more often. They're saying, Hey, we don't necessarily like need you to win this game. Like in the case of the giants, like, you know, they, they were probably going to win that no matter what, but like they're putting it in his, in his hands and saying, as you go, we go, we trust in you. And that's what, that's what Cowboys fans have been calling for for a while now. And it's just rewarding to see it happen and rewarding to see Dak completely just answered the call and stepped up the way he has. So before we close out here, uh, I want to mention a few guys, and this might tie into what we want to expect from the Cowboys against the Carolina Panthers, of course, this weekend, who are 1-8. and eight. Uh, You know, clearly they are going in the wrong direction when they traded for the first overall pick. They thought they were getting something much better in Bryce Young. They expected big things from Frank Reich and his coaching staff. It's not really clicked. I'm not willing to to say Bryce Young is a bust just yet because you, you have to give the guy some some leeway here. Um, but, you know, we talked about at the top, CeeDee Lamb is also on a heater. Uh, current leaders in the NFL in receiving, Tyreek Hill is number one, A.J. Brown is number two. 
in number uh, in third place is now CD Lamb with 975 yards. He had 500 yards over the past three games, and he had 475 yards in the first six games. So again, CD Lamb is playing at an absurd level. I think it, there's a real possibility he breaks AJ Brown's record that he just set with 125 yards in six consecutive games. I think that would be awesome to see. But of course, he had. The, the all-time record in NFL history, not just Cowboys franchise, NFL history, for 10-plus receptions in three straight games with 150-plus receiving yards. The only person to do that is CeeDee Lamb. Um, I also want to talk about Brandon Cooks, who had the great game uh, on Sunday against the Giants. Nine receptions, 173 yards, a touchdown. Clearly, they made an emphasis to get him the football. And I also want to mention on the defensive side, Jerron Bland had another interception, continues to play at a Pro Bowl slash potentially all-pro level. At least that's what Trayvon Diggs thinks. He thinks he's an all-pro right now. And then I also want to give some credit to Mike McCarthy. I think that when the Cowboys approached their bye week, they saw a lot of things that needed to be changed on offense. And we saw last year that when the Cowboys lost in week one to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Mike McCarthy went in and I think really adjusted the offense to Taylor what Cooper Rush's strengths were, and I think he adjusted things a little bit more for Dak Prescott. So you know what? We want to be conservative. We want to run the football. If that's not helping us win football right now, we need to change that. Dak, it, the, the keys are yours to drive this vehicle, and I think it takes a really good not only head coach to see that, but also a play caller not to be stubborn in their own ways, and I think Mike McCarthy and him are now starting to, to, to click, and of course, Brian Schottenheimer having an influence on that as well. So I'll throw all those names out there if you guys want to mention somebody else too. But uh, B1, what do you want to see from the Cowboys as they travel to Carolina this weekend? I want them to just keep going, to keep playing the way they just played against the New York Giants. They're playing against a team that, you know, record, you know, what they've shown in recent weeks and all season, actually. They're just not a good football team. So to me, anything but this type of New York Giants performance that we had this past week against the Panthers coming up. Anything less than that is, is to me, I think that's disappointing. I feel like they need to just stay on the gas and just, just you know, go after it and just play hard and, and let these guys just roll. And I just want to add to the Brandon, the Brandon Cooks uh, numbers. So through, through you know, before 10, uh, week 10 here, he had 165 receiving yards all season. He broke that by him. He broke that record for himself as a Cowboy in just one game with 173 yards. Like, like. You know, and I saw some I saw some jokes out there. All right, he's on pace for a thousand yards now. Like we're getting back on track here. So, you know, I just want to, you know, that's that's what I want to highlight is Brandon Cooks and Michael Gallup. Also, he had, you know, I mean, he didn't, you know, he caught a touchdown pass. So, you know, good good for Michael Gallup to get get some, you know, get some run there. And uh, obviously, Ceedee Lamb. I think he, you know, I, I think he said it best. He's the best receiver in the game right now, and it's not even a question. He's doing something that nobody's ever done in this league. And there's been some guys that uh, you know you might be familiar with, like a Jerry Rice, you know, for example, some of the greatest receivers of all time. You know, he he's done something that no one else has ever done. He's on a list by himself. When they put a graphic up, it's it's Ceedee Lamb alone with 10 catches, 150 receiving yards in the last three games. And I think to your point, that 125 figure with with AJ Brown, I think they keep doing it because. As we've seen since since that uh, C.D. Lamb meeting, you know, with the coaching staffs, not doing the diva thing because they, you know, they, he he's not a diva wide receiver by any means. He just asked, "Hey, can I get the ball more?" Like he just he was very nonchalant in C.D. Lamb fashion, just said, "Hey, give me the ball." And 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 guess what? They're getting him the ball. Like he's he's getting the ball. And and what's happening when you put the ball in the best hands of the best playmaker on your team? Good things are happening. So C.D. Lamb, I think, is on a pace. 
You know, he's not paced for some big numbers. I mean, you know, they're talking about Tyree Kill, you know, eclipsing 2,000 receiving yards. If CeeDee Lamb keeps up at this pace, Tyree Kill might not be alone in that category. That's just that's just the fact right now. Uh, CeeDee Lamb is just playing at a at a at a you know all time level right now. I know it's been a, a stretch here for three games in particular, but CeeDee Lamb is rolling. You mentioned Deron Bland; he's been he's been doing what he always does. You know, it's, it's there's three guarantees in life. You know, uh, death taxes and Deron Bland getting some interceptions throughout the season. He's just he he's on a level on his own. Like he you know with the pick sixes and everything. You know, and it's it sucks that we don't have Trayvon Diggs right now, but you know, Deron Bland is just what a find, a fifth round pick just just in 2022's draft class, playing as one of the best cornerbacks in the league. So I think that kudos to the Cowboys uh, front office for drafting well. It's it's a good stretch, but with these Panthers coming up, you can't let off the gas. We can't. We've talked about the Houston Texans. We can't have a Houston Texans of 2022 uh, this coming week. You got to stay on the gas. I want them to put up another 40 burger and just keep, you know, keep the Panthers at, you know, I like to see 40 to nothing, but you know, like that giants game, but if they, you know, if they give up, you know, you know, three points or a seven here, whatever, it needs to be a total whooping. Just once again, anything less than that, I will be very disappointed. Yeah. Second verse, same as the first, that's, that's what I want to see. Um, and like, you know, for all the talk about this past week being a potential trap game, like this is the week where I think it's it could actually be a trap game because you're on the road, you're on the East Coast, it's a noon game. Like, you know, th- those are kind of all the all the the ingredients for, for a trap game. And, I mean, by the way, I mean, the Panthers, like, they, they've been bad, but they have pieces. You know, we've talked about, like, Frankie Louvu, Brian Burns, some of these guys on the defense. And Bryce Young, I mean, he hasn't been good, but – he was the first overall pick for a reason. Frank Reich is a pretty good coach. He struggled in his first year in Carolina, but we saw what he did in Indianapolis with a different quarterback every single year. Like he knows how to win games. So this is not one that you can afford to just take lightly just because they have the worst record. And another thing too, like, you know, take care of these guys, put this game away early because you got a game four days later. You got to, you got to gear up for not only a game, but a division rival game, Washington commanders, and they got a, a young quarterback who's, you know, playing, you know, red hot and he's getting his big moments. And the last time that a kind of, you know, hot shot young quarterback came in to play the Cowboys for Washington in Thanksgiving, it didn't go so well. And they wanted, they, you want to be sure to be fully rested, be fully prepared for that game as best you can on a short week. So take care of business against the Panthers, get that game wrapped up, get those backups in for, for that fourth quarter and get a healthy team ready for that game in, in just a few days. That's what I want to see. Yeah, I, I echo all the stuff that you guys said. I think the main thing is health, and it seems like, relatively speaking, the Cowboys left Sunday's game healthy. I know Jordan Lewis was dealing with somewhat of a shoulder issue, but Brian brought us of NFL.com and 105 through the fan. Mentioned that the other night, on Sunday night, he heard that Jordan Lewis was was okay. He was good. It was more of a precautionary thing that they kept him out for the rest of the game. So that's positive in that department. But yeah, get out healthy. I think Mike McCarthy, he he does a great job of making sure that his players are uh, prepared for not only this, but also to kind of, like you mentioned, Howman, double dip with the game only a few days later against the Commanders. To me, I just I want to see positive things on the road. I think when you have a bad record on the road throughout the year, that might get in your head where if the Cowboys need to travel somewhere, if they don't end up winning the division and they have to go on the road uh, to some opponent like maybe, I don't know, the Saints in, in the Superdome if they end up winning in the South or um, it could be somebody else where it's like you need that positive 
vibes where you know that you can win on the road against anybody, you know, inferior opponents uh, included in that. So I think just positivity. Uh, I don't know why, but I have this feeling that we're going to see Andy Dalton. I, I don't think that that will happen because you don't want to bench a first round pick. But I do know that, um, you know, Frank Reich was quoted saying, like, listen, like we want to make sure we have our best team out there for the rest of the year. I think he knows that he needs to start winning games and showing that the offense as a whole, regardless of his Bryce Young or not, can just have some sort of positive momentum. Uh, Adam Thielen is playing really, really well, but outside of him, it's like, who else do they have? So I think that they just want to see something, be positive on offense. Maybe he takes play calling back, who knows? But when the Cowboys are playing that type of team, again, I'm not going to complete the hex here and say what you guys have been saying with regards to what this game could be, because uh, we don't want to do that. Everything when they come in threes, it's just usually not that good. Um, but I, I think in this case, you just want to get out healthy, have you know, the same vibes moving forward with regards to CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Cooks. The best thing I heard from Dak Prescott in his postgame was that he said he's not done getting Brandon Cooks the football. It's going to continue, which is always good to hear. So with that said, thank you guys so much for tuning into the latest edition of the Writer's Block podcast. For Brandon Clements, for David Hellman, I am Brandon Laurie. You can check out all of our work on bloggingtheboys.com and all the stuff we put out on X slash Twitter. Until next time after the Carolinas game, uh, getting you ready for, for Thanksgiving. Get your turkey ready, get your forks and knives ready. We'll talk to you guys next week, and always remember, go Cowboys. Cowboys.